0: back everybody to another episode of Jesus, Dietrich and Me. This is episode number 86. We are back with you again going through another one of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's letters from prison. Today we're going to be looking at a letter that he writes to someone who you probably are going to sound familiar, it's going to sound familiar to, uh, his best friend Eberhard Bethke, also his nephew-in-law, is that right? His uh, <laughs> the ne- Eberhard is the one who married his niece Renate, so but uh, they're really good friends. And there's a good letter today in this uh, in this section so waiting for his full sentence, not he's still in Tegel prison and he's about a year out from uh, being being hanged and and dying. And he's going to mention something in this letter. He's going to talk to to Eberhard about a couple of different concerns with that he's going to talk about baptism and it's a little controversial um we certainly have a, opinions about it but we'll get to that in a minute because we want to get to our follies this week and i think all of us we were thinking about on the way down here just how how fun it's going to be with follies which by the way i think our follies last week uh I just told the guys here before recording, I think uh, looking at our, our numbers uh, from last week and the week before, uh, there was a significant downtick from from the number of plays and downloads from last week. And that I don't know if that's just because people are tired of listening to us, but I also can't help but wonder if the content of what was in that beginning part of that podcast um, got a little flagged is the wrong word, but what, how did you word it? Shadow band. Yeah. Maybe it's something like that. I don't know. Um, but it was a little, It's a little weird to usually we have, we have almost doubled the number of, of plays by the time that, that we hit record today. So I don't know what's going to, what's going on with that, but had a good episode last week when we were talking about prayer, talking about the Psalms and, um, We're going to be continuing those kinds of discussions with baptism today. Um, But it is time. It is time for Follies of the Week. And today, uh, both of us, all three of us, have a number of different follies. I'm actually going to let Nick start today because I really enjoyed his when he shared his with me. So, Nick, you you were doing some late night... Instagram scrolling and, uh, and came across a, uh, Instagram webpage, which was, uh, which was quite humorous.
1: Yes. You're ready to get flagged again for this episode? I, probably. <laughs> especially during,
0: especially during pride month.
1: Right. So I was just scrolling on Instagram and like one of those ads or something came up and it was for the United Church of Christ. And so I'm like, well, they have a rainbow logo. So let's take a little deeper look into their Instagram. And boy, was I entertained. Um. <laughs> <laughs> to say, say the least. Oozing with wokeism. Yes, that? so yes. much wokeism. Not a lot of Jesus, but mm-hmm. plenty of wokeism. Thank so you. I just had a couple posts I wanted to share. Uh, we'll start off, of course, happy pride. Uh, remember that you are made in the image of God, and you are perfect just the way you are. Yes. Well, I guess we don't need Jesus. Then, we don't need Jesus. If that's
0: the case. We, yeah, that <laughs> that is uh, that is interesting.
1: So, in addition to that fun post, I, I looked at a few other ones. I'll share with you briefly. Love your neighbors. Get them internet. <laughs> <laughs> Outreach, right? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Getting internet what, for people and QR codes and QR. <laughs> the faith of the prophets. Lessons for the climate <laughs> crisis. <laughs> <laughs> not sure what profits and climate crisis have to do. All right, ooh, this one's a little heretical. God's pronouns are they them, with the rainbow flag waving in the background. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, yeah, right, right. Heaven forbid that we uh, that we call God a he. Call him Father. I mean, the they part is not entirely wrong. because yeah, um, it is the Trinity. It is yeah. the Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, that say what did
2: he say to Moses? Oh yeah. <laughs> could say, they, they are, they were, yeah. they will be. I don't Maybe know. Sure. <laughs> uh, you know what?
1: <laughs> but the rainbow flag in the background, and then the the fact that they refuse to call God Father in any of their prayers—that kind of—they're not doing this for biblical reasons. And then my my last, my final, and most egregious one so far is is a prayer, a prayer that they they used on Monday, Thursday, and it is a. They used the Lord's prayer as a basis for it and basically changed it. And so we'll just we'll just play the audio for you
0: now. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna play for you just a, a just a heads up for those of you that listen and know us and know what we believe and know how we feel. Um, I think it is awful that they're taking a and rewriting the Lord's prayer, especially for this kind of purpose. Uh, this prayer does not reflect the views of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. It does not review the the or. It does not reflect the views of Pastor Hill, myself, or Nick, and uh, but we just want to h- show you what kinds of things are out there, especially just because it's called a Church of Christ does not mean that it is a biblical church. In fact, Satan is using this church to uh, completely destroy how we think and view as people. So this is the prayer, and you're going to hear right off the bat what Nick talked about Um, with the refusal to address God as Father. So here we go. Please pray with
1: us. Our God, who is disabled, holy are your differences.
0: May your work of inclusion be done on earth as it is in heaven.
1: Grant us access in all the ways we need.
0: And forgive us for excluding others as we forgive those who exclude us.
1: Keep us away from temptation of believing we're not enough and deliver us from the evils of ableism. God,
2: in you we find
0: community, welcome, and belonging, now and forever. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Deliver us from the evils of ableism. (laughs) So, uh, Pastor Hill... I like before
2: that, actually, whatever they said, that that we're not enough.
0: Yes, and uh, (laughs) God... Our God, our God, Jesus. who is disabled, uh, yeah. That. Um, so we were talking about this on the way here. We're like, okay, so you, so you're actively praying to a God who you think has imperfections. You are praying to an unholy and an imperfect God, and I'm sorry. I don't want to. I don't want to worship that God. Um, I don't want to. I don't want a God who. I want a God who sympathizes, which is what Scripture says. I don't want a God who is imperfect. That's. That's just not that's not the way that it's not the way that it is. We are the imperfect ones. Uh, there is nothing about us at all that is perfect except for Christ's righteousness which is given to us. and uh, that's just that's an abomination of a prayer and it's it's like what you said before last week, you're like this isn't really this isn't even funny. this is this is actually quite scary because there are people that genuinely believe this and they're actually praying this as if it matters. You said he didn't want a God with disabilities, so you're such
2: an ableist. Right, yeah, no. yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, so that makes me <laughs> that makes such makes an me ableist. Evil. That makes me evil. Jesus, you know, he actually seemed to have cared about the disabled people by doing what? Healing them. Oh, making them able. Making them able.
0: Are you making That's them me. evil, you mean.
2: So Jesus was an enabler.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Jesus. All right, eye. I think, are we ready are we ready for yours? <laughs> Are we ready for yours? Oh,
2: yes. The View, Joy Behar. I had so many choices. I might even give you two. but You she, could just stop there and say The View. The that's, View, Joy that's Behar. That's the folly
0: of the week. Uh,
2: I, I, yeah, such a pompous set. Women. Women? Yes. <clears throat> Joy Behar says um, that the gun problem will be over in America as soon as black people get guns.
0: And I'm thinking... I, uh, I'm pretty sure black people have guns. What are
2: they using in Chicago to kill all right. people in New York and everywhere else?
0: Yes, it's we just said, ignorance. I saw it, I saw a thing online that said that the the left the left conservative or the le- the left liberal party agenda is trying so hard to convince to convince people that the quote unquote the right wing people, uh, the Republicans, the conservative people. That they're racist and it's just it's just not the case because everything that she said, yeah, you look at the the murder capitals of the of the United States and they have a very high African American population and I promise you, it's black people killing black people, it's white people killing white people, it's black people killing white people, it's white people people killing black people, it's it's not a it's not a race thing, <laughs> it just it just isn't and so uh, it yeah that's. That's awful. And that's kind of funny. Yeah, it is kind <laughs> that's of what funny. she said. Yeah.
2: I've only been in a gun store once or twice. And um, I, I would say there is no evidence that anyone was preventing any African American from getting guns because they were like three quarters of the customers. I don't here, Nick Nick is Mr. Gunman.
1: I've been in several gun stores or at the gun counter at like Cabela's or something, and there's always black people buying guns all the time, and no one's discriminating them. I remember after the whole George Floyd thing, there was a black gentleman with a I-Can't-Breathe shirt next to a white redneck in all camo laughing and talking and having a great time while buying guns together. Buying it was the least together. racist thing I've ever seen. <laughs>
2: but that's <laughs>
0: so, but that's what they're that's what they're trying to I guess to the second one is,
2: is the whole whole uh, the solution to the gas prices is to buy uh, an electric car uh, and who who what's
0: the secretary something or other Yeah, uh, Debbie Stabenow from Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. said Dr- that So, said, "Oh, I drove I drove my <laughs> I drove my electric vehicle from Michigan to here last weekend and I went by every gas station and it didn't matter how high the prices were you want to talk about elitist and you want to talk about privilege and you're telling us that you're privileged that's the pot calling the kettle black privileged come on
2: but no that was that that's all true that wasn't my point because they'll say that next news story is well we're probably gonna have rolling blackouts in the country all summer long so if i have my (laughs) electric car and i plug it in and (laughs) We're having brownouts and blackouts. Good luck. Am I not in the same place
0: I am right now? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. It's embarrassing. And and we'll close with this because I don't want to take up too much time. We always get, it would be so easy for us to get sidetracked with these kinds of things. Um, My folly this week. Uh, considering we mentioned the gas prices, we've mentioned food shortages. Which, by the way, apparently there is a severe uh, chili shortage that they're uh, discontinuing sriracha sauce <laughs> for a little bit. Which is sure as heck a sign that we are in the end. I times. would never notice. I- well, <laughs> I only just recently we have one of those big bottles with the green nozzles at home. Just started using those a little bit more and everything and. I, I'm going to notice, and I'm going to miss the sriracha sauce, but that's that's okay. But anyway, so uh, here is uh, Press Secretary Karina Jean-Pierre talking about our economy and how it's never been better.
2: What we're trying to say, what I'm trying to say to you is that the economy is in a better place than it has been historically. And so we feel here at this administration, and other experts as well, is that we feel that we are in a good position to take on inflation.
0: The economy is in a better place. Has never been in a better place historically. As I fill up my car for five sixty, <laughs> coming down here and I'm paying. Who was it that said that milk was at like five dollars for a gallon? Was that you or was that Ron? Yeah, it was like we. I used to pay a dollar seventy at at Meyer for milk. It's just, it's awful. Don't don't sit there and lie to us and lie to the American people and say that the economy is historically high, the, the best that has ever been when you have people that are that are. That, I mean, they're, they're literally crumbling, and they talk about savings accounts and how well if you have a savings account, then you come from generational generational wealth. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I have a savings account. I certainly don't come from generational wealth like there's just you couldn't be further from the truth with regard to our economy and we were talking was it monday we're talking about the people that are buying houses and selling houses just need to be ready for the collapse here in a couple in a year or two is that what you said yeah maybe not that long maybe not even that long so more lies from your from your government leaders you gotta love it gotta love it all right are we done with folly now
2: no, actually we're going on to uh, maybe a Bonhoeffer
0: folly. Maybe a Bonhoeffer folly. Beautiful. Let's uh let's get to it then. This is a letter from Eberhard Bethke. This is on the it's dated from Tegel Prison. To Eberhard. To did I say from? Yeah. Sorry. It's to Eberhard from Dietrich, writing from Tegel Prison, March twenty fourth, nineteen forty four. So Eberhard at this point has been drafted, correct? Mm-hmm. He's in the Army. We
2: don't know when he got drafted, but he's in the Army, and uh, you know one of the first things in the letter is uh, a mention of being on guard
0: duty, so yeah, yeah, so I just want to read it because there's a lot of things that are going to be needed for uh that I think are relevant. So he says, "Dear Eberhard, it was a very great joy to hear so much from you, so he's clearly able to still chat with him. And they write pretty frequently. I mean, this letter, his book is full of of letters to and from correspondence from Eberhard and Dietrich. He says, it's really quite wonderful that the dialogue remains intact, and I feel that it's always the most fruitful that I have. I feel that it's one of the laws of spiritual understanding that one's own thoughts, when they are understood by others at the same time, always undergo a transformation and liberation through the medium of a person. To this degree, letters are really always, in quotes, events as you write. I would understand, well, if there were only three problems for you at the moment. War, marriage, and the church. So hitting those things that are important to him. You've mentioned he's in the army, so there's war. You mentioned marriage, which would be his marriage to his niece, Renate, and the church. Beberhard was one of the many guys that were in the the Finkenwald Seminary, and it was one of the guys that was going out and attempting to be pastors within this kind of a context. All three are very important things. He says, it's a great joy and a proof of your unchanged frame of mind that the scope of your observations and interest has been extended so much wider in fine spiritual freedom. I know that for some brothers, doing guard duty at night has been most significant. Is it the same with you? So, little, uh, just a little regular banter, just kind of opening up a mm-hmm. little bit. And then he hits what we want to talk about today. And he mentioned folly, and we'll get to that in just a moment. He writes, this is Dietrich writing to Eberhard. He says, I expect the question of the baby's baptism is on your mind a good deal now. And that's mainly why I'm writing to you, as I think you may be troubled by a certain inconsistency about it. So clearly Eberhard and Renate have had a baby. Mm-hmm. and everhard is not has not been able to be present because he's been on guard duty. And Dietrich asks a question, and if I was a father and was away from my newborn, uh, I tend to think that I would be concerned about this, and he brings up baptism. And what baptism is, and he talks about the inconsistency about baptism. What are you thinking, Pastor Hill? That what is this inconsist- inconsistency that he's referring to? Well, he's gonna he's gonna lay it out here,
2: but it's part of it is on the, it's like on one hand and on the other. On the one hand, why would you deny the child baptism?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It you know if you were on a business trip for forty eight hours, I would. You know, tell your wife, well, we'll wait till he gets back to baptize the baby. But uh, as we're going to discover here a bit, he he doesn't know when or if he's coming back. Right. Um, Just for context, he's probably on the Eastern Front. 1944, it's not a good year to be a German soldier. No, it's not. (laughs) And uh, his family is every german family in in urban setting is under the threat of being bombed out of existence mm-hmm. yeah we've talked about that at length yeah so so on the one hand why do you why would you perpetuate a situation where the child might die without having been baptized
0: mm-hmm.
2: on the other hand i think where he's going is
0: god is bigger than that right so this mm-hmm. is what he writes you ready mm mm-hmm. mhm he says we've sometimes urged that children should be baptized as soon as possible as it is a question of a sacrament even if the father cannot be present and i would say that that's where i tend to that's where i tend to lean but like you said if if you're you know if, if Brandy and i have a have a baby and i go out of town for a pastor's conference or something and you know and, you know, i'm going to be back in two or three days Okay, that's something you can talk about waiting to be a part of uh, unless the baby is you know having some health some health issues and you need to have the baby baptized sooner than that, but he's gone. He's away and that's that's a little bit different. So he's saying that that is one view. One view is to certainly baptize the baby right away and the reasons are clear. And then he says, "Yet I'm bound to agree that you will do well to wait." In other words, he's saying you should wait you should wait for you should wait for the opportunity to be there for your child's baptism why he says i still think that it is right and desirable especially as an example to the community and in particular for a pastor to have one's child baptized soon assuming that it is done with a sincere faith in the efficacy of the sacrament at the same time the father's wish to be present and take part in the prayers for his child has a claim to be considered and when i examine my own feelings i must admit that i'm chiefly influenced by the thought that god also loves the still unbaptized child who is to be baptized later is he almost to me it sounds like he's saying well if you have the intent to baptize him then that's 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 just as good is that what you hear too? Yes. Well, what what do you think he means by
2: efficacy, young Nick? <laughs> what is the efficacy of the sacrament? Like the sacrament actually does something. And what does the sacrament In the, the, the
1: sac, for a child, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, you receive the gift of faith, and you receive the forgiveness of sins. That's what we believe. That that that's
2: the efficacy of baptism. It
1: actually does those things.
2: All right, right. Yeah. So why would you withhold that from the child because it's it's basically i'm subtexting this here and saying he's kind of saying well you know if this was a poor choice god will god will cover us and i'm
0: thinking well then does the child need to be baptized or not right if if you think that then why why push for the child to be baptized at all Uh, If you really think that God's going to do that. And there are, I mean, this is, there are a lot of people that think this way. This, this is not just, this is not just the way, this is probably how most people who are not LCMS Lutheran, how they view baptism. Um, It's a nice, it's like, like, it's a nice, uh, it's a side. The main dish is faith, right? We're saved by grace through faith. That's the main dish, but baptism is one of those sides. And it's, it's, it's a good side. It's a side that, that, you know, everyone wants at the Thanksgiving table. But at the end of the day, if it's missing, it's not that big of a deal. And I disagree. I think that baptism is actually the, <laughs> that might be the main course.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's also, you know, important, and we see it in, like, Luther's early baptismal right that there's a minor exorcism in the case of baptism. Because oh, yeah. we believe we're born sinful and under the power of the devil until Christ claims us as yeah. his own which happens in baptism. So if we take that seriously, you would mm-hmm. baptize as soon
2: as possible. Right. Okay, but let's just modernize it for a second and say, do I baptize the child, you know, okay, by the eighth day? Right. Or do I say, oh, I can't get great-grandma here until next June. Well, it's already June, so let's say make it <laughs> next September. So we'll hold off baptizing it because this is also a, also a family event or if pastor tyler was ever in that position and he couldn't be there his heart's desire would be to be the one who baptized his child and that would be i think very rough if if you found yourself in a position where you and that may actually be happening here with Mm better heart where you are not the one who baptizes your child because of
0: circumstances. Yeah. Are you are you a fan of like did you baptize your daughters? No, because you weren't because you weren't no. in ministry then. No. How what is how do you feel about you know if you're a, if you're a man who's a pastor, how do you feel about the pastor baptizing their own kids? Okay, and I think there's
2: nothing wrong with that, but I
0: don't think it trumps baptism. Right. well, yeah, for sure. But I mean, I I know some pastors that they refused to baptize their own kid because they didn't want to. They didn't want to take away from the fact that it's. It didn't. It's. It's kind of like the Pauline argument of you know the not not your Paulie, <laughs> but the oh, the wheel spinning in his head there. <laughs> no,
2: what am I in trouble with Pauline? Right. About?
0: No, I mean the uh, was it was it in uh, in Corinthians? I think when they're when the people are like they're. Well, I was baptized by Paul. Well, I was baptized by Apollos. Well, I was baptized by, and I think that's part of the reason why Jesus didn't baptize, actually physically baptize while he was doing earthly ministry. I think it's certainly why Paul stopped doing baptism because you don't want to get into this idea that the person who does the baptizing is the is is significant. It is significant to a degree that it's that it's a person that has been called to do that. But at the end of the day, if Pastor Hill baptizes your baby or if I baptize your baby or if Pastor Nick at some point baptizes your baby or whoever it is, if it's if he is a called and ordained minister of, of God, then that's ultimately what matters. And I know that that's, that's why a lot of pastors will not baptize their children because they don't want their kids to think, well, I was baptized by my dad or other people thinking you know, something along those lines. Or other people say, that's exactly what I want my kid to think. Right.
2: Or let's like marrying your child off to somebody and you do the, sur- do the service. Mm-hmm. So. And I'd add on to that, you know, baptism in case of emergency,
1: even if a layperson does it, it's still just as effective as if a pastor does it.
0: Right.
2: Do you, okay. In emergencies. In, <laughs> when a right. bomb is falling on your house and you don't know it's coming. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh...
0: Um, you're talking about modern, like you're talking modern, about, like the, yeah, like, yeah. The, yeah. like Peace time year. kind of right. right. Yeah.
2: yeah, I mean, there's so much uncertainty in Eberhard's life right now and his family's life. I want to say Dietrich is telling him what he wants to hear, in, in a way, or at least he's validating. Mm-hmm. If this is the way you choose to go, it'll be all right because God also loves the still unbaptized child. Who is to be baptized? So intent counts,
0: right? Intent. That's that's yeah. That's what I was kind of thinking that he's subscribing to. That well, if you intend yeah, to have your baby I don't baptized, know how you could possibly justify
2: that from scripture? But yeah, that
0: intent matters. Yeah, right. Like, well, I I was going to have my kid baptized, and then oh, it just didn't happen. It just. So as we move on, he says that the New Testament lays down no laws about infant baptism. It is a gift of grace bestowed on the church, a gift that may be received and used in firm faith, and can be thus a striking testimony of faith for the community. But to force oneself to it without the compulsion of faith is not biblical. And what that has to do with the argument he's making this escapes me. I, unless he's saying that, unless go, the only thing, the only thing that I can think of is that it's going back to. His his argument of, okay, well, if Eberhard wants to be the one to do it, then the baby shouldn't be forced to be baptized elsewhere or by someone else. That's the only thing that I can think of because I agree with you. I don't know where that comes into play or why he'd be thinking that, but that's the only, that's the only sense that I can make is that he's saying, if you want to do it, then you should do it, and no one else should do it under the compulsion. So, is that – even bring I, I, any kind of light I just I don't know if if he's saying
2: but to force oneself to it means meaning if you force yourself to have the baby baptized without you being present but you have it's it's almost like you're doubting the efficacy of the sacrament yes um, and so I don't know that sentence that's well, half a sentence but <laughs> to me, it makes more sense for adult baptism. No one should be brought to adult baptism who is only there because he has to be there. Right. In my opinion, um, but God has not been working in this person's life up to this point. Well, that's
0: that's the argument. I think <laughs> where I, I had a feeling we we're going to end up. I had a feeling we we're going up here. That that's that's good. It's a good discussion. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think that's that's one of the main arguments for why you should not baptize a baby because the baby hasn't had an opportunity to decide and do this willingly on their his or her own volition. They are by all means being quote unquote forced to the baptismal font without being able to make a choice from themselves. That's I'm just saying that's that's the that's one of the arguments for withholding baptism from a child because that child has not to to quote our uh, Baptists or the Methodists or whatever church United, this is, church, United church of Christ, <laughs> yeah. that this person, this child, has not made a choice to be a believer. Uh, to quote my brother-in-law, who does not listen to this podcast, but if he does, he would probably be okay with uh, me talking about him. His son has not chosen to be saved yet, <laughs> which I, which I laugh at, but um, that's 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 how that that's how that is viewed you haven't had a choice about this and why would we force something if it's not if you didn't choose it then how can we be sure that you actually believe it okay well this is where
2: get your non-existent bickers journal out and i i say this the biblical principle here is god acts we respond mm-hmm. and so in baptism god is always the actor yes and we are always the responder, mm-hmm. And so even when it's an adult, it might feel like you've made a decision for Christ. The reality is God has brought you right. and the Holy Spirit has worked in you to bring you to this point where you respond by offering yourself for baptism. To, to ever say, to ever say it the opposite way man acts and God responds yeah we instantly know it's wrong when we phrase it like that but yeah so in child baptism God acts mm-hmm. by creating faith in the child um,
0: through the water of baptism and the gift we of the
2: respond Spirit. by raising all the promises the parents make is how we respond to raise the child up in the church and and I don't know how to say it any clearer than that. Is it's the question of of who is acting and who is
0: responding? And, right. Um, because as, as soon as you as soon as you begin to adopt this mentality that well, I'm bringing my child. This is what I was talking about in my sermon uh, last week. You have this idea that you do something. Well, I chose to repent. I chose to be baptized. I chose this. I chose that. I chose this. I chose that you're you are putting yourself in the place of God and you are the one that's deciding the the fact that the fact that my brother-in-law said well ben hasn't chosen to be saved yet like listen to the word that you're saying here you haven't chosen to be saved yet do you really want to have a say in that do you really want to wait for the god of the universe who has the ability to save you to wait for you're okay or do you want him to save you if you're drowning and you have and you have water filled up in your lungs and you and you're falling you're still alive but you're unconscious and you can't <laughs> or you're dead and you can't choose to be made alive but God has the capacity and the ability to do that do you really want God to say well you didn't say yes to me you didn't accept me therefore I'm not going to do it is that really what you want to do and that's essentially what you're doing when you're saying well I have to wait for this child to grow up and make a choice to be baptized you are putting yourself in the place of God and you are making yourself higher than God because you are choosing to override what God says that baptism is.
1: When we're talking about infant baptism, you know we believe that uh, infants receive faith by being baptized, but when it comes to adults, you know, being baptized isn't the only way to receive faith. You can have faith by hearing the word of God and then coming to the the font later. But it's important that there's not only one way to receive faith.
0: In fact, there's a couple yeah. ways. I know what you meant when you said receive faith. You meant receive the Holy Spirit, right? Receive the receive Holy Spirit. The, I just, yeah, it's faith isn't just. It's not just that, right? You don't receive faith in baptism. You receive the Spirit, um, which faith. who conjures the faith in you. Right. So one of the same, I guess. But um, I think that's an important distinction to make too. So what what is the Old
2: Testament parallel to? Infant baptism. Circumcision. And whoever asked the eight-day-old boy, if it's okay if I snip off this piece of you, do you really want to be a member of uh, tribe of Judah, the people it, yeah. of Israel? Uh, no, they don't, right? Because yeah, uh, well, if you did... waited until he was 13, he's probably going to say like <laughs> <"I can't."> uh, <laughs> No,
0: that sounds a little painful. I don't really want to do that. Right. Yeah. No, I am... And...
1: I was going to say, I've even heard uh, people say, like, it, infant baptism wouldn't bother early Jewish Christians because they're already used to infants being part of the, the covenant community of faith through circumcision, so infant baptism wouldn't bother them. Like, oh, okay, yeah, that's we've already been doing that with circumcision, basically.
0: Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. I think that the Jewish culture would have actually welcomed and, and embraced uh, infant baptism, which is why I don't think there's, number one, there's not... There's no there's no explicit laws about infant baptism one way or another because I think that it would have just been it would have been universally accepted. In fact, I know that when uh, that when in the in the New Testament, because in this letter, uh, Dietrich writes that the New Test New Testament lays down no law about infant baptism. I would actually say so. That it's not an explicit law, but anytime that you see that Cornelius and his household were Baptized, or the Philippian jailer and his household were baptized. That was universally accepted and known. Any first-century Jew would have fully understood that a household included infants and children. And Pastor Hill, you just said that it would have been Un- unthinkable, not, yeah,
2: unthinkable, not to circumcise your eight-day-old son,
0: right? And and then so, if in the days of baptism, it would have been unthinkable then to. If you are a believing christian to to not baptize babies. we've been baptizing babies since the since the founding of the church, and that that's I would actually actually make the argument that the reason that the church is still going strong is because we have been baptizing babies
2: so part of part of the problem for us as Americans um, and maybe a little bit for Germans of this time is we are in a highly individualistic culture, mm. and the Bible is written to people who were in a highly, gosh, what's the opposite? Communal. Communal society. Mm. One didn't think of oneself as apart from the family. Yeah. Um, and so I, I usually go to, that's the same in oriental families. Like in Japan, your last name comes first and your first name comes last because the family you come from is more important than mm-hmm. you are. And so when they get over here, we flip their names <laughs> <All> right <laughs> So they say so, and they flip their names so they can be part of our culture. But I think that Bonhoeffer is coming at this question uh, as a temporal question, a time question. And some of the, some of the thoughts towards the end are um, it's like, this is a situation that will not last all that much longer. You'll be able to come home on leave, it'll be okay.
0: Uh, Not knowing what we know, what do we know. That he was, a couple months later, he's actually arrested for the same thing that Dietrich does, or did. That's right.
2: Put in prison uh, in Eastern Germany, and then uh, he was scheduled to be, get the same treatment as, as Bonhoeffer, I don't know that he had an execution date. He was waiting trial, and these are the kinds of trials which you never are <laughs> found innocent, right? Mm. Uh, but the Soviets came and uh, rescued him. They didn't come to rescue him, but they came and liberated the prison camp, and so he escaped all that. But it's at least a year. It's probably April '45 when he's when he's released. So it's at least a year before he could possibly get home. And I don't know the way the Germans and Russians were in World War. I don't know that he went home immediately. He probably was just moved to a POW situation because he was uh, a soldier or ex-soldier. So, mm-hmm. Anyway, I wanted to go back where he talks about, it's probably the third sentence. I feel that it's one of the laws of spiritual understanding that one's own thoughts when they are understood by others at the same time all, always undergo a transformation and a liberation through that medium of the person um, he's really talking about this deep personal spiritual connection that he and bethke have together and they can share their thoughts mm-hmm. and as you share your thoughts in that environment um, and the other person responds in a loving Christian manner. Right. Um, what happens is what happens to your thoughts.
0: They begin to they begin to change. They begin they either to,
2: solidify or change. Yeah. Or as you become, you, s- s- see you somebody.
0: Become more more like of one mind, mm-hmm. and you really kind of get a sense for that um, that body of Christ. I think that that Paul is referring to when you're interacting like this.
2: This doesn't, I can't say the word, this doesn't happen over beer at Gamalclachite right? <laughs> in the seminary. Um, this happens. pastor's conference. Yeah, this happens in an established Christian relationship where you've already shared uh, many, many things. And so when someone speaks to you out of that context, you kind of know where they're coming from. Yeah. And if they're off base, you can guide them and... Uh, maybe find your off base, I don't know. But in that interchange, I think he's saying how deeply he appreciates having, uh, even if it's only by letter, having that same depth of relationship with his friend Eberhardt, that they can talk about anything really and know that the other person is going to receive their thoughts in love even if their thoughts are maybe a little out of whack. Um, and in in the exchange, they'll come to some better understanding of the issue and a better understanding of each other. Yeah. So, I also thought when he said war, marriage, and church at the beginning, mm-hmm. I, I kind of read that as, you have these three biggies, yep. and yet you still have time for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So that's going going back to what we were talking about. Um, was it last week? We two weeks ago. We were talking about the importance of uh, pastors having pastors and the importance of having you know that brotherly kind of love and telling your brother that you love them. And I think it just it speaks it speaks to the relationship that Dietrich had with Eberhard. And I and mean, clearly he's yeah he's you still have time for me. And clearly Dietrich is concerned about the baptism of his friends. Child, and that's that's what's interesting to me. Or he's concerned that his friend is concerned about the right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. right. Um, why do you think? Because this might be part of we've kind of stumbled upon it. We've we've made mention before about how a lot of people view Dietrich as a works-based kind of guy and more reformed than Lutheran. Certainly, he's not LCMS, but German Lutheran. Um, why do you think that he's not eager? He's not is a German Lutheran. He's a
2: Luther Lutheran, but he's, he's a Luther. not a he's not a twentieth century German Lutheran Church.
0: Right, right. Yeah. But go ahead. Um, so then, why do you think that he's arriving to this conclusion about baptism? Where he's not? Because if I'm if I'm Dietrich and I'm and I know that my friend is at war and there's not an opportunity, we don't know what the opportunity is. consider I'm urging my best friend to have his child. To get to the font as soon as possible, like why do you think this is just opinion? This is not this is not you know letter based or scripturally based. But why do you think that Dietrich's so? Uh, if you get to it, you get to it. If not, it's okay about baptism. Because I know you know in our prayers of the church, whenever we have whenever there's the, we celebrate the birth of 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 a newborn the prayer always goes along the lines of Father, keep them in your hands until they're able to be brought to the fountain of baptism. Mm -hmm. You know, how come Dietrich's not saying, get this kid to the fountain?
2: (laughs) I think he is actually, my opinion is, he's actually giving his friend permission uh, to do what his friend's going to do anyway. (laughs) Okay. So he's affirming. He's affirming. Yeah, I think... I think when he says the father has uh, his father's thought, the father's thoughts are worthy of consideration. That's exactly what he's doing. But uh, I guess the real struggle is the objective versus the subjective. The objective reality is baptize the baby, Mm -hmm. and the subjective is well, um, couldn't we just kind of hold off like
0: right. yeah and so no <laughs> no that's why when uh my sister we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago that my sister had asked me to uh be the one who baptizes her her son her for her firstborn and um I said they're they're waiting like almost two months in order there to do it because they want to make sure that she's rested and recovered and all that good stuff. And I get that that's fine. Like Beckham's still going to be a he's still going to be a baptized baby, a baptized child of God. And I mean, barring any you know major health complications, it's 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 okay. But I'm like, why wouldn't you have this kid bear for like two weeks after he's born, or even sooner than Could that? To be cold
2: hearted. You can say both in the book and your story. Is this about the baby, or is this about you? <laughs> is it
0: about you, right? Yes, and, and that's, that's exactly the problem. Well, and that's that's been my that's been my argument with um, with my brother in law too, because his his six year old son um, he's significantly older than my sister, but um, his six year old son, his firstborn, um, is not baptized, and he keeps saying that he doesn't he doesn't want and, I, and a lot of this I believe is because you know, he doesn't want to upset his mom. He doesn't want to upset his son's mother. And to that, I say, it's what you say. Well, is it about the mom or is it about Ben? Is it about Ben being brought brought into this family? And so I'm hoping maybe I'll just... uh, Hopefully the is not listening. Maybe I'll just, oh, Ben, don't you want to come up here to be a part of your brother's baptism? And then, oh, accidentally, sprinkle some water on him in the squirt name of gun. the Father, and Holy Spirit. Oh, there's some <laughs> extra splashing around here. A squirt gun. Yeah. Right. What are those? Super soaker guns? Yeah, the super... I don't just, know if you can get
2: those anymore, but... Oh, yeah, yeah of course you can.
0: But, yeah... Um, Slowly but surely, we're having that we're having that conversation, and I'm hope very hopeful that we're going to be able to do uh, two two baptisms one, on that
2: day. One well, there's other things, but one thing worse than what you're saying, and that's when a parent says, "Well, uh, I'm just going to let him figure that out." Yeah, right, right. And so I'm not going to influence him one way or another, or train him up, or take him to church. Yeah.
0: Well, that's that's the that's mom's mentality. At least Michael is. You know, I want him to be a Christian and I'm teaching him. They they read him Bible stories before going to bed and stuff and I'm like, "If you're you're like you're right there. <laughs> you're right there." So, we're working on it, but I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that that uh we're going to have a we're gonna have a double baptism. So, we'll stay tuned on all that. That's uh coming at you in September of 2022. So, you got anything else about baptism? Baptize baptize your babies. That is a constant thread on Lutheran Twitter. Baptize your babies, and it gets a lot of good conversation. So a lot of people, for some reason, just hate children and don't want to see them baptized. And that's... Ooh. He said ooh. <laughs> ooh, well. Yeah, I said what I said. Anyway... <laughs> We will chat with everyone next time. Uh, if you haven't yet, go to. I don't really have a. I don't really have a segue out of that. So uh, make sure you go to the website and uh, check out Fa- Family of God's website if you feel uh, motivated to uh, to give, to donate, to be a part of the ministry. Certainly, certainly do that. Um, we could really use your prayers. Uh, up in, a lot of changes happening in the next couple of months, and uh, after all that happens, we can talk a little bit more about it. But just keep the ministry in your prayers. And uh, we cannot express enough to all of you listeners, all of you that support the podcast, support us, come down and be a part of the ministry, donate to the ministry. Um, We are so grateful for you. God, thank God for you that you continue to be supportive. We can't do what we do without you. So keep that up. We really appreciate it. And we just really pray that you all have a great week. We will chat with you next time on Pastor Hill. (laughs) Go and buy an electric car. So go do that, and we will chat with you next time. If no one has told you yet, God loves you, and so do we. Take care, everybody. Yes. Sorry, people are yelling and screaming up. Just like that. Good times. Time to check the food. We'll take a. We'll take a break. If
2: you happen to kill anybody on the way, it's okay. <laughs>
0: time, time to check your sausages. Something like that.
2: Oh, after we talk about circumcision. <laughs> got <you> to <laughs> pop that up. All right, I hope you're not recording.
0: Let's go then.